Welcome to today's Bible study with Pastor Josh Tice. The next time you're in Las Vegas, we'd love to meet you in person at Southern Hills. If you happen to watch us regularly, please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel and consider sharing this video with a friend. You can support the ministries of Southern Hills by visiting southernhillslv.com and clicking the Give tab. Now, sit back, relax, and get ready to learn how the Bible is relevant in your life today. And welcome back to Southern Hills. You're glad to be here. If you are, let's praise God together. We are glad you're here. Yes, we are. Today we are in the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 6, verses 46, 47, 48, and 49. Just four verses. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives us these wonderful truths. The sermon is entitled, Cracks in the Walls. His name, his name was Uncle Rick. Well, that wasn't his first name. That's what I called him, Uncle Rick. He was my favorite uncle and he was the kind of uncle that you loved, and he loved you, and he was awesome, but he was also the kind of uncle that, um, well, you, he didn't always give the best advice. Do you have somebody in your life like that? You love them. They're really great. I mean, they're one of your favorite people, but when they come to dispensing advice, you're like, I'm good. Don't need it. How many of you have somebody in your life like that? All right. Well, that's the way he was. He would always give kind of not great advice. I remember even when I was 11 years old, probably when I was 11 years old was the first time uh, he, would offer, uh, he would offer me a cigarette at 11 years old. <laughs> now, if you're here today and you're like, I don't see a problem with that, we have to talk. This is, a, this is an issue. Uh, see, growing up, um, my, when friends or family would come over, my mother would always make everybody, if they're going to smoke, smoke outside. And uh, Rick uh, would come and he would always need to have a cigarette. And so he would go outside to smoke, and, um, and, and he was my favorite uncle, so I'd like to go out there and smoke <laughs> with him. Uh, but he would say, hey, you want, you want a cigarette? You know, I'm 11 years old. I'm like, no, I don't want. And he wasn't really at 11 years old going to give it, but he would always have the same joke for years. Same joke. Hey, you want a cigarette, kid? I'm like, no, I'm 10, you know, and uh, always trying to do this. It was 16 years old that I remember him say to me this, and he said it multiple times since then, probably dozens of times. I grew up as a pastor's kid, you understand. I grew up in a Christian home, like many of you are trying to raise your children in a Christian home. And I remember he looked at me one time and he said, he said, you know, you know, Josh, you know how, <coughs> he'd always cough because of the cigarettes, you know what I mean? You know, you don't have to live under your father's thumb your entire life. That's what he said to me. Your mother's very opinionated. You don't have to listen to your mother your entire life. One of his opinions. That's why I always say this to me. 16, 17, 18. You know, you don't have to always live on it. And then what would happen is we'd go inside and my dad would be like, hey, how, how was it with Rick? He, I'm like, hey, it was great. He's like, what did he tell you? I'm like, well, he told me the thumb thing. Don't live under your father's thumb. He's like, yeah. And we would sit there and laugh, you know. <laughs> it was funny. It was, he's the kind of person who is always giving advice but should not give advice. You know what I'm talking about? I remember one time he came over to our house um, and he was outside smoking. My, my mom was here, but my dad wasn't. My mom and the kids. And I was homeschooled. I was, any homeschoolers here? Any? Okay. One of you. Very good. Uh, welcome. So I was homeschooled. And I remember that we were able to take a break. We went outside to hang out with my Uncle Rick. And uh, as we were hanging outside, he was really excited. He came out and he's like, he's like, 
kids, I gotta tell you something. And we're like, what? He said, I just won $4,000 playing video poker. And we're like, oh my word, four grand, won $4,000 playing video poker. And uh, my parents were really cool about this because instead of like some parents trying to isolate your children from everybody all of the time, my parents very wisely allowed us to be around Uncle Rick, uh, but then kind of monitored the type of stuff that Uncle Rick would say. And some parents get really nervous about their children being around anybody who does anything different than them. But this is really wise. I remember my, he's just talking about $4,000, won $4,000. And my mother came out with some iced tea. And she came up to Rick. She said, I heard you won $4,000 playing video poker. And gave it to him. And she, he's like, yes, I did. And th- became very defensive. She's like, congratulations. That's awesome. That's amazing. She said, how, how many years have you been playing video poker? <laughs> and he said, I don't know, something like 35 years, 35 years. She's like, that's amazing. That's great. And for the kids to hear, she said, how much do you think you've spent on video poker over 35 years? I don't know. I don't pay attention to that kind of thing. You know, what am I, a mathematician, you know? (laughs) And she didn't even have to say it. But without saying it, all of the kids were like, oh, I see how this works. She's a good mom. Thank God for good mothers today, amen. She's a good mom. And I began to learn even for my mother, that there are certain people in life who love to dole out counsel and advice, but not everybody who loves to give advice should you receive advice from. In fact, I find it fascinating. There are a lot of people whose lives are literally crumbling around them. Their life is falling apart. Their marriage is falling apart. Their kids are falling apart. Their home's falling apart. Their business is falling apart. Their finances are falling apart. But what they want to do is make sure you understand how, they, how you should live your life. Isn't that interesting to you? I'm going to say some controversial things here, okay? Just between us and the internet. Are you ready? Okay, like, let's think about it, okay? I know this is going to sound harsh, but people like, God love them, so do I. But people like Will Smith and Jada have a podcast, that tell people how to have a marriage and how to have a family. They do. Do you understand what I'm saying? They do. Have you noticed in your own life that you have friends that their relationship with their spouse or their ex is like eradicated, but they want to tell you how to have a relationship with your spouse? They do. They do. People who do not talk to their kids, but they want to talk with you about how to raise your kids. And what we're understanding as we grow more mature, the older we get, is that you have to be very guarded who you receive life advice from. So for me, I've got really one primary source to receive advice from, and it's not who you might think. It's not necessarily Heather, my beloved partner and wife. It's not my father who is a pastor. And even on Mother's Day, I got to tell you, it's not always my mother. There's one primary place that I go to for advice. In fact, I go so much there for advice, he has become the foundation, a stone upon which I've built my entire life. The primary place we should seek counsel and advice from is from the person, Jesus Christ. 
Now, I know for some of you who aren't quite yet Christians, you might be thinking to yourself, well, wait a second, how can we get advice from somebody who's dead? Well, I got good news for you. He ain't dead. Yes, it's true they killed him, but Jesus stayed dead for three days and rose from the grave. And in fact, much of his teaching is written right here in Scripture. And his followers, the disciples, they wrote the rest of his teachings right here. And so what we do for good advice and for good counsel is go to the Word of God and say, Jesus, what do you want for our lives? And so what we see today, the main proposition for this final sermon in the series, uh, uh, final sermon in the series, Upside Down Kingdom, is that Jesus wants you to have stable homes, secure families, and steady lives. Jesus wants you to have stable homes, secure families, and steady lives. You say, well, how exactly can I have this stability and security and safety? And the answer is found in verses 46, 47, 48, and 49. Look at what it says right there in verse 46. If you didn't read a Bi bring a Bible, that's okay. Most of our scripture will be on the screen. It says, but why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? This leads us to our first point in today's sermon, and that is this. Don't call him king if he's just a servant. Can you say that one with me? Say it with me. Don't call him king if he's just a servant. Say it again, say it again. Don't call him king if he's just a servant. Say, what are we talking about? We're talking about the way you view God. A lot of people like to pray and they pray it to the Lord. Lord, I'm asking you to bless my day. Lord, I pray you bless my family. Lord, give me what I need today. Lord, and Jesus says, don't call me Lord, Lord, if you're not going to do what I tell you to do. Like if Jesus just works for you, then don't call him Lord. Call him slave. How do you view God? You know what I find that's true in my life if I'm not careful? And it's probably true in the lives of some people in this room. That if you're not careful, you ignore God every day. You ignore God every Sunday. You ignore God all month. You ignore God for six months. And then when something gets screwed up, you run to him and say, fix my problem. And then if he doesn't fix it long enough, you'll walk away and be like, I'm not sure that I believe in God. Because you see him as your servant instead of your king. So we're going to play a little game. Who likes to play games? Anybody want to play a game? Say amen. All right, we're going to play a little game. And I want you to be verbal. I want you to shout out your answer, okay? I'm going to show you a series of photographs, and I want you to shout out where you see God and where you see you in the photograph, okay? These pictures are going to show you you and God in a metaphoric way. And whenever you see it, you're going to understand the first, you know, we play a game, you're going to learn how it goes. The first photograph, I want you to shout out uh, where you see God. Say, I'm going to say, where is God? And you say, and whatever comes to mind, all right? You ready? Who's ready? Say amen. All right, show the first photograph. Who's God? Okay, the answer is the king, so let's try that again, all right? <laughs> go back, go back, go back, all right. Here it is. Who's God? You're right, that's right. The king in this picture is God. He's the one in charge. And you, well, you're just the servant. You're the knight. You're the one that's going to do the bidding of the king. The king is not you. The king is God. Say, the king is God. All right, let's go to the next photograph. Who are you? Who's God in this picture? Yeah, some of you think the genie because he's powerful, right? Yeah, but who's in charge? Aladdin. 
So I'm going to say, who is God? You say, Aladdin. Who is God? That's the weirdest bad theology I've ever heard, right? I went to church and I found out that Disney's Aladdin is God. That's what I found out. Why? Because the genie works for Aladdin. You work for God. Let's go. I want you to shout it out as soon as you see the next picture. Who is God? Who is God? The coach. Yeah, Coach K in this story. Why? Why specifically? Because he's the one giving direction and the player's the one listening. You don't give direction to God. God gives direction to you. It's the way you view God. Could it be, listen, I'm, here's the question I have for you. Could it be that parts of your life are crumbling around you because you're trying to tell God what to do instead of God telling you what to do? I'm going to show the next photograph. Who is God? Who is God? Yeah, it's the boss. Some of you are like, I don't see in my theology God being a woman. Relax. It's just a, it's an illustration. All right. In this scenario, God is the one who is the boss. You're the employee. I'm going to show the next picture. You say, who is God? Who is God? <laughs> Let's just say the general. Let's say the general, all right? Why? Because he's the one leading you, not you leading him. Let's go to the next photograph. Next photograph. Who's God? The dad. See, the father in this scenario. You're the child. You don't tell him what to do. He tells you what to do. Last photograph. Last photograph. Who's God? He's the chess master. You're the pawn. This goes back to a sermon I preached last year. You're the pawn. He's the chess master. He moves you. You don't move him. He's in charge. You follow him. He's the king. You're the servant. This is how it goes. If your Christianity tells you that you're the one in charge of God, you don't have Christianity. God is your Lord. And so Jesus ends his sermon with a story we're about to get to, an illustration we're about to get to. But he starts it by saying, please don't call me Lord if you're not going to obey what I have to say. Just stop. Like, just say, I'm not a Christian and go away. Now, if you're not a Christian, that's fine. We're glad you're here and you're seeking out truth. But if you've already determined, yeah, I want to call myself a Christian, but God's not my God, then what are you doing? If he's your servant, then call him your servant. If he's your God, call him Lord. Make sense? Number two, number two thought, how to make wise decisions and hear right advice. Number one, don't call him king if he's only a servant. Number two, do be the doer. Say it with me. Do be the doer. Say it again, say it again. Do be the doer. Say, what do you mean, do, do be the doer? Well, look at what it says in verse 47. Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them. Have you ever, mothers in the room, mothers, mothers, any mothers in the room? If you are, say amen. All right. Mothers, have you ever told your children to do something and you're pretty sure they heard you? but they did not do what you told them to do. Any mothers in the room who are married to men who have the same problem? <laughs> like you're pretty sure they heard you, right? Jesus has this issue with his disciples. Any disciples of Jesus here today, if you are, say amen, all right? He has a problem with us, and that is one of the things that we do is we hear him and we're like, huh? And so he says, Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does, does them. Say does them. Does them. Okay. 
I will show you what he's like. He's going to give a metaphor. He, who is like, he is like a man who builds his house, who digs deep, lays a foundation on a rock, and when the flood arose and the stream beat vehemently against the house and could not shake it, for it was founded on a rock. Jesus gives a metaphor, and the metaphor is simple. He said, the person who obeys and does what I tell them to do, I'll tell you what he's like. He's like a guy who builds a house, but before he builds a house, he digs deep, he lays a concrete foundation, and he builds on top of that concrete foundation because he knows the storms of life are going to come. And when the storms come and beat upon the house, the house is strong because he's built his life upon the rock. Jesus is saying, I'm the rock. My words are the rock. If you build your life upon the rock of my words, when the storms come, you'll be fine. You'll be absolutely okay. And that's what he makes the point here. If you obey the words of Jesus, he promises stability. Now be very careful. Be very careful here. I just said, if you obey the words of Jesus, he promises stability. He doesn't promise safety from the storm. He promises stability through the storm. There are many Christians who get this very confused. They're like, I, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I've built my life upon the solid rock of Jesus Christ. I don't understand why I'm going through a difficult storm in my life right now. Why is the storm coming? Jesus never promised you safety from the storm. He promised you stability in the midst of the storm. He promised that your house will not fall if you have built your life upon the principles and teachings of Jesus Christ. So have you? Have you intentionally not only heard the words of Christ, but are you obeying the words of Christ? I want you to understand as a follower of Jesus, your health will be tested. Your relationships will be strained. Your finances will be stressed. Your schedule will be stretched. Your life will be battered and beaten and drenched and doused. But you will not be shaken. And that's the point of the passage. It could not shake the house. Jesus is saying, you will go through it, but you will get through it. Your walls will not crack. Some people, some people's walls are cracking around them because they're just unaware of the Jesus life. They're unaware of Jesus. They're unaware of the gospel principles. They're unaware of the word of God. And so their, wa fall, their walls are cracking and their homes are disintegrating and their lives are falling apart. They simply don't know. So they've built their life on family tradition. And like all the families before them, it's falling apart. Or they've built their life upon uh, cultural, tr cultural perspectives, right? Whatever the culture tells them. That's why their life is crumbling. But you are different. Listen to me. You're different because you're hearing the word of God. So some don't know the word of God, some hear the word of God, and then there's the third kind, those who hear and do the word of God. Those who only hear and, listen, listen, warning, those who only hear and ignore the word of God in your life, you're the opposite of a doer, you're a dreamer. Life is so filled with dreamers. People dream. One day, I dream, I dream one day. I, one day, I just dream I'm going to go to Europe. You dream about it, and you dream about it, and you dream about it, and you never do it. Why don't you do it? Because you won't do it. 
See, I just can't do it. You can do it. You just don't do it. Some people dream about owning a business. One day I'm going to quit the job and I'm just going to own my own business. I'm done. I'm going to walk out on my own business. I'm going to start my own business. I'm going to dream. And the dream, 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 they never do. Do you know why they don't do? Because they don't do it. If they wanted to do it, they would do it. But they don't do it because they're dreamers and not doers. Some people don't finish the degree. I'm not talking about childhood problems where family situations has put you and you cannot finish the degree on time. I'm talking about you get into your teens and then your 20s and your 30s and you could go back and do it if you decided to do it, but you dream about doing it and don't do it because you don't do it. I'm talking about becoming a homeowner. I'm talking about developing a great family. Some of you dream of having a great family and you see photographs of Heather and I's family and, and, and we raise our children and they like us and we like them and we're all together and God's blessed us by his grace. But you think to yourself, that's what I dream of one day. I really want that. And I'm telling you, you can do it if you do it. But you have to do it to get there. Not just dream about it. Say, Pastor, what is Jesus saying here? Well, look at what it says in verse 47. Whoever comes after me and hears my sayings and does them. Don't dream about having a deep walk with God. Do it. Don't dream about raising children in church. Do it. Say, what if something comes up? Friend, I guarantee something will come up. I guarantee there'll be another epidemic and I guarantee there will be a war and I guarantee you'll have a family member who tells you you shouldn't. And the point is this, do it. You just do it, no matter what. Don't dream of walking with God. Don't dream of building your life upon the solid foundation of principles that have lasted thousands of years and upon the teachings of the very son of God. Don't dream about it, do it. Number three, number three. Don't ruin your life. Jesus ends by giving a very sad ending to a story. It's very sad. It's very sad. And so I don't want to end the sermon on a dour note, but look at where Jesus ends his sermon on the mount. He says in verse 49, but he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built his house on the earth without a foundation. Jesus said there's one kind of person who digs down deep and he lays a foundation, he builds a house, and when the storms of life come, the house is strong and solid. There's another kind of person, and he heard the truth of Jesus, but he does nothing. This person's like a guy who builds a house just on the earth. In the Gospel of Matthew, it says, it's like he's building his house on the sand. And when the storms come and winds blow and the stream beat vehemently against the house, immediately it fell. Of course the house is going to fall if it doesn't have a strong foundation. Of course your home will be destroyed if it's not built upon a sound foundation. Of course your relationship didn't work. It wasn't built upon a strong foundation. Of course the business isn't going to work. It was built upon a faulty foundation. Of course life will fall apart if it's built upon a faulty foundation. And the Bible says, and Jesus said, and the ruin of that house was great. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. I'm trying to tell you that I and Jesus have something in common. Here's what we have in common. Neither one of us want you to ruin your life. 
And so the way you don't ruin your life is take advice from Jesus, not from Uncle Rick. Right? But sometimes we don't listen to good advice. I was, um, I was in Missouri this week. Anybody ever been to Missouri? Why? Like, why'd you go? No, but I was asking myself that question on Tuesday. I, I went there, and I'm like, why am, why am I in Missouri? I pronounce it misery. You know what I'm talking, you know? Thank you. My sister knows. And I, I, I was there. I was, I was preaching in a, um, in, a, in, a, in a college there on Tuesday night, and I got there, and they told me, show up at 5.30. Well, I, I had traveled, and I didn't have time to eat before I went. And so I was already hungry when I got there at 5.30. And so at 5.30, the service didn't start till 6.30 or 7, and I was supposed to get there, set things up, get sound mic check, meet a bunch of people. It was a new place that I'm teaching at, I'm meeting a lot. It took me about an hour, hour and a half meeting everybody. It took forever. I was exhausted. And then by the time the service started, I was starving. I mean, I was really hungry. But I'm not going to say anything because I'm a nice guy. So I'm just going to sit around. I'm going to just be hungry. And plus, I don't like to eat on a full stomach anyway, so I thought I'll just eat after. They started the service, and it was an extended service. It wasn't like a one-hour Sunday morning service at Southern Hills. This was an extended service that was going to go like two and a half hours. By the time I got up to preach, the service had already gone almost an hour. And I got to tell you, the music was incredible. And the testimonies and the stories were amazing. Everything they were talking about was like so filling up my spirit and my soul, but my body was empty and it was angry. You know what I mean? I was getting hungry, man. I'm like, give me some food. But there was no food to be found except for the word of God. And God was like, you can feast upon the word of God. And my stomach was like, I don't believe it's true. And so I got up, I got up with the Bible to teach and it was probably about, I don't know, 7, 45, 8 o'clock when I got up to teach. And I'm preaching, I'm teaching, and all of a sudden all the hungry goes away because I'm focused on the Word of God and I'm preaching, I'm teaching. And then I got done about, you know, 35, 40 minutes when I was done. And then I got off the platform. As soon as I stepped off the platform, I'm like, oh, I'm hungry. Now it's like 8.30, starving, really hungry. I, I need something to eat. And the service goes on. You ever been part of a service that went on longer than you should, Right? Some of you are like, yes, right now, actually. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm so hungry. It went on for another 25, 30 minutes. And the last announcement was, after the service, we have a party in the parking lot. It's a college venue that I was at. We're going to go out to this party in the parking lot and have fun and eat and talk. And I'm like, food, this is going to be good. So I go to leave and I go off the platform. And as soon as I did, there was this crowd of people because I was new there that came to be nice and talk to me. And so they're talking to me about this and that. And the whole time I'm thinking, it's really nice to meet you. Please leave because I don't want to talk to anybody. Give me some food. It took me 25 minutes to finally get to the parking lot where they had these tents and they had all these little tables like this with all these little food venues. And I went up and I'm telling you because everybody already ate a bunch of it. So there's like random cashews. You know what I mean? Like a, like a half a croissant, like a little piece of meat. And I'm over there and I'm just like, I'm just eating whatever I can get a hold of. And I'm still talking to people. I'm still hungry. And we stayed there for probably about another 45 minutes or so. It's probably 9.30, 9.45 by the time I'm actually walking away from that venue. And I'm dying. I'm like, I got to find some food. So I leave the parking lot. It's after 10 p.m. I leave the parking lot. And I'm like, it's time to go to dinner. Got to find a restaurant. And I forgot I'm not in Las Vegas. <laughs> you know what? I, 
You know what I mean? Have you guys left here lately? And you go out there and you're like, where did everybody go? It's seven o'clock. You know what I'm talking It's like so irritating. I'm like, what is, and everybody in Missouri is in their little home, sleeping in their little beds. I'm like, get to work. And I'm going around, every, everything's closed, nothing's open. And finally I find a Hardee's. Do you know what a Hardee's is? It's a knockoff Carl's Jr. is what it is. Where is, so I get in line for Hardee's. I'm like, I'll take a single star with cheese, whatever. And I'm so hungry. I grab it and I say, extra ketchup, you know, put it in there. And then I went back to the room, went to my hotel and I stood in front of the counter and there I am, the counter, the lady's there. And, uh, and I said, could I, they have, in the, uh, the hotel staying at, they had a fridge that offered free drinks. And so I said, hey, could I get a Diet Dr. Pepper there? And she went to hand it to me and she noticed my Hardy's bag and she looked up and went just like this. She went, and she went and kept writing. And I said, thank you. And then she stopped and she said, are you, are you going to eat that? And I thought she was wanting my sandwich. And I'm like, yes, I am going to eat this. <laughs> if you need the bread of life, you can go to Jesus. Because this, <laughs> this is going in my belly. I did. I said, yes, I'm going to eat this. And she said to me, she said, okay. And she went back down to writing. And I'm like, that is a weird interaction. I've never had an interaction like that at a hotel desk before. And I said, I said, what? And she said, no, I just never, no, it's okay, never mind. I said, no, what? She said, I would not eat that. And I thought she was like some health nut person. I'm like, it's fine, I eat bad food all the time. She's like, did you get it from the Hardee's across the street? And I'm like, yeah. She said, yeah, I used to work there. I would not eat that. And I'm like, oh, oh, no. Now I've got a war going on, you know, between my mind and my tummy. My tummy's like, we can handle it, you know. It's like Uncle Rick down there. It'll be fine. And my mind is like, you know, no, no, this is bad. So I took that sandwich. I'm like, thank you for your advice. And I walked over to the trash can. And with all the pain in my heart, I said, Goodbye. And I threw it away, and I looked in the trash. I did for a little bit. It was like 11 o'clock at night. Nobody was there, and I thought, I could still, I could, you know. <laughs> went upstairs. I made the right decision. Went upstairs, went to sleep hungry, got up at 4 o'clock and ate breakfast. Can I give an amen right there? Right. Say why. Here's why. Because in that moment, she was the expert in the field. I better listen to her advice. How many of you realize she knows more about that Hardee's than I know about that Hardee's? Amen? Right? I mean, really. Like, maybe I should listen to what she has to say. You say, sometimes experts can be wrong. Oh, we know. We've lived the same last two years that you've lived. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Wow. Wow. That's a lot of... There's some expert in the back somewhere that's like, I don't like that joke at all. Experts can be wrong, right? It's true, right? Okay. But here's the thing. When you have the person, the very son of God, the very son of God who created you, who knows how life is supposed to work, 
who knows how marriage is supposed to work, who knows how work is supposed to work, who knows how kids are supposed to work, who knows how church is supposed to work. He's the very son of God, and he gives you all of his advice. Don't you think maybe it's a good idea, kind of, to say, hey, what do you think I should do with my life? And so he says, a wise man is the kind of person who builds their life upon the solid foundation of my teaching. And a fool is one who says, I'll do what I want to do. You can do what you want to do. That's the crazy part. You really can. But if you build your life upon the sand, don't be surprised when the storm comes. And great is the ruin of your life. That's part three. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the word. Thank you for the reality that you've given to us to follow and obey the scripture you've taught us. My prayer is that every man and woman and teenager that has heard this sermon today would make a deep down decision to build their life upon the rock of Jesus Christ and his teaching. That we would not simply call you Lord, but that you would be the Lord of our lives. That we would not be hearers of the word, but doers also. That we would not ruin the one life you've given us because we are too prideful to obey what you say. I pray we would listen and hear and obey. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for watching Josh Tice's most recent Bible sermon. If you think of someone who may enjoy this one, go ahead and send it or post it today. If you're ever in Las Vegas on Sunday, we'd love for you to stop by Southern Hills and see us in person. If you benefit from this virtual ministry, we'd also like to encourage you to support our gospel efforts by sending a donation to the ministries of Southern Hills. You can do so by visiting southernhillslv.com and clicking the Give tab.